My handle is Jonathan Blade. Welcome to my podcast, and happy belated Father's Day. As an upfront warning, uh, there will be spoilers about the various materials I speak about through uh, today's episode. I've consumed a lot of uh, media since the last episode, so there are a lot of things I could talk about, so I thought maybe I'd just talk about a few things, uh, a couple movies, and Season 5, Episode 1 of Black Mirror, which is an episode I found striking, which is ironic because the episode's title is Striking Vipers. Uh, Striking Vipers is about a few different things, but it's about sexuality, which I always find interesting because I like sex. Uh, And it stars Anthony Mackie, which I also find very interesting because the public persona of Anthony Mackie is full of machismo. It's part of his brand, but this role is not about machismo. In fact, it is um, very elevated for what you would think that somebody like uh, Anthony Mackie would do. I mean, he's a trained actor. He can do anything he wants to, actually. But uh, yeah, I was impressed. Uh, The episode starts with uh, Anthony Mackie as Danny, a young Danny, and his wife, or his girlfriend of the time, Theo, played by Nicole Bahari, and their roommate and best friend, Carl, played by Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Uh, You may know him as Black Manta from the Aquaman movie. So they're just young people having a young people's good time. They're all roommates together and just living their best life. Uh, They're at a nightclub. They have fun there. They go back to the apartment. Danny and Theo do their thing, and then Danny comes out and hangs out with Carl, and they play a video game that Carl bought called Striking Vipers, their favorite video game. They always play the same characters. Danny plays Lance, the stereotypical video game Asian male character. And Carl always plays Roxy, who's the stereotypical sexy fighting female character. And they're enjoying uh, just being young. So cut to 11 years later, and life has changed. Danny and Theo are very middle-aged. They've hit the doldrums of their relationship. So they still love each other very much, and they're still attractive people, but they've let themselves go entirely frumpy, full frumpy. Uh, Anthony Mackie wears work shirts his entire life, uh, short sleeve button downs that don't fit quite properly. Uh, his, his wife, Theo, wears house dresses uh, pretty much all the time. Like I said, they're both still attractive people, but mm, the good times have passed them by, and they they f- let you feel that oppression of the of the middle-aged doldrums and i've seen it and i've almost been there a time or two so i fully understand i fully feel where uh this life is coming from you see anthony mackie as a thirsty dad and it's not he's not thirsty dad i want to cheat thirsty dad he's just like thirsty dad oh something new that's not my wife and you can he's dreaming just daydreaming about it at like a family function i think it's his birthday party so Carl, on the other hand, has made an entirely different life for himself. Carl is middle-aged as well, but Carl is single, and he's fit, and he's uber-successful, and he's, he's living the... he's living the dream. Carl is living the dream. So Carl shows up at Anthony Mackie uh, at Danny's birthday party, because he sees Danny and Theo once a year, 
and he brings with him the newest edition of Fighting Vipers 11 years later. It's no longer a traditional video game, it's a VR experience, a full-body VR experience that you jack directly into your brain uh, and inhabit these characters. So they show Danny later at his house, and Danny and Theo have a young child, so he interacts with the young child. He sits down on his sofa and plays Tetris as the whole family is asleep. Uh, boring dad stuff, and Carl hits him up on whatever video game console's live service and says, Hey, let's play around for old times. So they jack into the game, inhabiting these characters as uh, virtual avatar experiences. They inhabit the bodies of these characters. Uh, Danny as a sexy Asian man, and Carl as a beautiful Palm Clem TF. Uh, you know, uh, she's Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. Also, uh, Lance, the character that Anthony Mackie's playing, that Danny is playing, is uh, is famous as well. Uh, Ludi Lenz. I'm not familiar with him, but he's been in a few things. These friends start their fighting match. It's fun. It's It works. It's fun enough. But then, after the match is over, they get close, and they start kissing. And there's confusion, and then they get into another match at another point in time, after the confusion, and they do more. And so they, they're in a virtual, lustful relationship, and it's not love. It is, because they're, they're boys, but it's, it's lust. And I found this very interesting, because... If I were to engage somebody's avatar, I wouldn't care who was driving the avatar, except for this very situation. If somebody that you're close to were driving the avatar, then that's not something that you would that you would be down for. If your brother was driving the avatar, you wouldn't be down for that. If your sister was driving the avatar, you wouldn't be down for that. And if your best friend was driving the avatar, you might not be down for that either. But it raises some really interesting questions, and <laughs> there's a line in the episode where they jokingly say, well, I guess that's us gay now, but it's a joke. They're not serious because that's not what the episode's about. It's about dealing with these new paradigms of sexuality that are beyond the binary sexuality of the past, which we're at now, but this is something that's even further than that. And I think that they deal with it in a really interesting and mature way. All three of the characters, actually, because when the wife comes in and brings her her grudges uh, that time has given her into the, the situation, it's still not about what's happening here. And the resolution is not something that we would understand taken in a modern context, but the episode doesn't take place in modern times, so the context is different, and it's interesting. I enjoy it. There's a lot of people who don't appreciate this episode because philosophically they're not there. And I think that's sad, because these are things that we'll have to deal with at some point or another. And you don't have to take a side to consider that. It's interesting. It, it sparked my imagination. It got the wheels turning. And that's really what you want from a Black Mirror episode, so it really worked. So, something else I saw that was very interesting was Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Now, Godzilla King of the Monsters occupies an interesting space in the in the critical headspace right now. Me, uh, specifically, I enjoy Twitter. Uh, the part of Twitter that I inhabit is movie Twitter, uh, more specifically pop cultural movie Twitter, because I'm sure that there's, there are many 
uh, facets of movie Twitter out there that I don't engage. But um, yeah, this is stuff I find interesting. And one of my favorite uh, pop cultural uh, commentators, uh, movie Bob Chipman, loved Godzilla King of the Monsters. He loved it more than anything he's loved in a long time, which I found incredibly exciting. I really wanted to see this movie. I enjoyed the commercial campaign. I thought it was really well done. The, the Claire de Lune trailer brought me fully in. Uh, the trailer that followed that, I, I don't remember what piece of music they used, but that one also drew me in. I was like, this is going to be fantastic. So I saw Godzilla King of the Monsters, and I did not like it. thought it was a bad movie, and all of uh, pop culture movie Twitter loved it. They loved it to pieces. They thought it was... Uh, transcendent as movie Bob Chipman thought it they, they thought it was transcendent it makes me stop and think uh, about what qualities I perceive to be bad uh, in a movie and I, I haven't fully nailed it down yet but yeah I'm I'm lost I don't understand how all these um, these pop cultural commentators could have loved this movie so much now I'm not this is not the only time I've been on the outside for this kind of thing there's there's a certain kind of movie where I think it might be connective tissue between the, the events. Uh, if the connective tissue between the events is kind of rote or uh, doesn't seem like it was important to the uh, the production, um, I think that might make a movie bad for me. I thought that Fast and the Furious 8 was a, or was it called Fate of the Furious, I thought that was a terrible movie. I thought that Jurassic World was a terrible movie. Uh, I did like the uh, the dinosaur smackdown at the end. I thought that was awesome. But the movie itself I thought was terrible. And people enjoyed those movies. I, I think they're bad movies. Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, I guess that is recognized as a terrible movie. But I would put that on the same uh, range of, uh, of terrible as Godzilla King of the Monsters. And I've seen people say, no, oh, the people that don't like this movie just don't understand that the characters of the movie uh, are the monsters and not the people that inhabit the, the world of Godzilla King of the Monsters. And that's, that's not true. Uh, there's a, a well-developed but not coherent story for all of the characters in the film. They're there. We're following them. The characters, the people characters, the human characters of the film their story just doesn't work because they, they don't act like human beings uh, and it doesn't seem like their story is that important to the writers but the monster action doesn't seem like it's terribly important a lot of the time too because the movie cuts away constantly to the characters during the monster action so that the characters can can describe the monster action a lot of the monster action is shot from the characters point of view which would be interesting if the characters were interesting or good and there's some solid actors in this film so I'm not sure why they would do these roles and the way that they're presented or maybe the movie was destroyed in the editing maybe the human portion of the story was destroyed in the editing Miley Bobby Brown is in this movie and she was featured in the trailers in such a way that you would think that she would have a a bigger part but she's just there she does stuff she does important things but kind of just to push the story along you I understand what her motivations could be. Uh, she just wasn't written well. She wasn't given enough to do uh, in the foreground. So there might be things going on in her mind that we don't feel. And there might be things going on in the actual story that we don't see. And that's true for almost every character in the film. 
Uh, their motivations don't make sense. The way they react to things doesn't make sense. And that would be fine. I would fully accept that if the monster action were different. Like, it really didn't do it for me. And it's not the silliness. I thought that uh, Skull Island was a, a really fun summer movie. Sam Jackson especially, way over the top. But he was awesome. And Kong was awesome. People talk about the monsters in King of the Monsters being characters in the film, and I don't see it. I see them as animals because they're spoken of and presented as animals. Uh, in Skull Island, Kong is he's basically the Hulk. He's irritated, and he doesn't want to be bothered, but the island is his, and so he protects the island. He's just, he's just presented as more of a character in the film, and he's... His interaction with the uh, the human characters is more interesting. That might be a scale thing. He's big enough to be imposing, but not so big that uh, the humans are nothing to him. Yeah, so it's not the silliness of the film, and it's not the subject matter. I, I like spectacle. I like big budget, and it can even be stupid. Stupid spectacle. What's the movie that's coming up? Hobbs and Shaw? That looks ridiculous. And I really want to see that. I think that is going to be stupid spectacle done properly. Uh, even Aquaman is a big-ass, dumb spectacle movie. And I didn't like it at first. The first time I saw it, I was like, this is a big-ass, dumb spectacle movie. I don't like... I don't even like some of the performances here. But Aquaman grew on me. People liked it. And I really understood what they were going for. So I don't love Aquaman. I don't think it's as good as, as most of the Marvel movies because of how it's structured and how it's presented. It's beautiful, it's beautiful, but there's an art to presenting spectacle. There's an ebb and flow of presenting spectacle. And Aquaman's kind of like a Fast and Furious movie in that respect, where it's just a bunch of stuff on screen uh, with very little downtime. And the ebb and flow of, of presenting that is it's all flow in something like Aquaman. And you get burned out very easily but yes, I, I appreciate why people like that movie. I don't appreciate why people like King of the Monsters. But hey, that's just me. I have actually jumped into way too many Twitter conversations trying to be like, I, I don't understand why you love this so much, which is not anybody's role. Nobody should be like that. You should allow people to like the things they like. Uh, I just actually just want to have a conversation. And I actually have had some very good conversations about King of the Monsters from these uh, these Twitter threads still didn't make me like the movie. I don't think it will ever bring me on. I should go see it again at some point. But uh, yeah, it's a dumbass movie. And then conversely, something that I did like, not wildly so. I didn't think it was a great movie, but it was okay and just as good as most of the other movies in the franchise. The new X-Men movie. Dark Phoenix is... It's not bad. I was surprised. I, I actually going to see the movie. I kept. I was sitting there and I was waiting for it to be incoherent. I think that's my big thing, plot coherence. And as an entity unto itself, it's very coherent. It makes sense all the way through, and it actually has some really neat big ideas, which is what the X Men movies do. They they play with big ideas, but it also has the same failings as the other X Men movies. It's a little self-serious in areas where it doesn't need to be. And also, the 
characters who are the leads in the movie are the only real characters of the movie. They tried to give some of the other characters more to do in this one, but you still have a bunch of characters who don't even have names but have screen time, which is what the X-Men movies do. I've never understood that. And it's, it's about, in this case, as, as opposed to being about Eric and Charles and whoever the third is, uh, it's not Mystique this time, it's Jean Grey. And the Eric and Charles thing works, even though they don't really need Magneto, I don't mind them bringing him in. There's a, a third part to that storyline, or I'm sorry, uh, another part to that storyline with aliens, which doesn't really work for the overall story. It's filler that doesn't need to be there, unless you're going to do something more with it. But it does provide a really epic final battle. So, even that is fine, it's fine. Uh, I didn't like the way it ended. I thought the ending was was kind of terrible, even though it ends with Eric and Charles, and I really like that bromance. I think that's one of the most compelling bromances in the cinematic comic book space. But yeah, it was fine. I saw it with my son. He thought it was fine, too. If you're a fan of the X-Men movies, I don't see how you couldn't like this, because it's not, it's not worse than Apocalypse. Apocalypse is worse. Most of the... I didn't like the first X-Men movie, so that was worse. Probably better than X3. I'd have to watch that again, but uh, I'll, t I'll take everybody's word for it. It's universally panned. It's probably better than X3. If you're an X-Fan, why not go see this last movie? The only disappointing thing is that it is the last movie in this representation of the X-Men franchise, and it's not really presented as a final movie, and that's disappointing because you really want a big send-off or at least a send-off. This doesn't feel like a send-off, and that's unfortunate, because these actors have put in work. Uh, they've created some compelling characters when they were allowed to. Cyclops is still terrible. It's not James Marston, but it's still the same plank of wood that James Marston was as Cyclops. That's unfortunate. Storm, Alexandra Ship, she is uh, there. Like, they try to do a little bit more with her, but I'm not feeling it. I wish... Well, I won't say what I wish, but uh, I wish that Storm was a more integral character to the goings-on of the movie, and I wish I wish they'd actually had an African play Storm. Somebody very African. Yeah, take that as you will. But it, it is what it is. I also wish that uh, an actual short person would play Wolverine, and I don't think that'll happen at this point, so that also is what it is. Uh, but it's yeah, it's good enough, and it's way better than King of the Monsters to me but super hated on by um, the entirety of uh, pop-cultural Twitter. And that's unfortunate, because I feel like if they open their hearts, they're missing out on something. Yes, the X-Men franchise as a whole, uh, for the modern, this, this Phase 2 of the X-Men franchise doesn't make sense. Those 10-year leaps don't make sense. Uh, they should have done something like they do in comic books and just keep pushing the timeline forward. So you say it's a constant 10 years, you change the events of the Cuban Missile Crisis to something else in your final movie and say, hey, remember 10 years ago when Magneto, nuclear weapons, blah, blah, blah. They're not doing that. So, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's fine, because I, I, I guess because I don't care for the franchise. It's kind of like Star Wars. Like, uh, the Star Wars movies are all fine, and some of them are probably excellent, but I don't care because I don't care about Star Wars. Actually, I, I thought that uh, The Last Jedi was awesome. And probably because I'm not a Star Wars fan, so I don't care about the changes they made. I thought that made it more interesting as a franchise. So, yeah, maybe that's why these people feel this way about X-Men. And I don't. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It's a movie that you can watch. You're like, oh, that wasn't bad, and then you forget about it when you leave the theater. Which is most movies, and that's okay. 
And yeah, I think that's all I want to uh, talk about on this episode. If you want to have a conversation with me following up on any of these properties, uh, the Dark Phoenix or Godzilla King of the Monsters or Black Mirror Season 5 Episode 1, you can hit me up on Twitter at Jonathan Blade, that's J-O-H-N, or you can uh, check out my YouTube channel, Jonathan Blade 1, that's the number one, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>